0: Hi there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, here with Father Shannon Bouquet, our President. Uh,
1: Tad, once again, good to be with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Father. I always say that, absolutely, Father, (laughs) and it's true. So um, today we're doing something a little different. We're not going to be discussing any of your articles, but we're just going to be discussing in general the issue of contraception um, with a specific eye towards um, talking about it with Uh, basically evangelizing fellow Christians who might not be opposed to contraception, Um, and uh, if that, you know, if it goes well we may end up you know doing further in the series about talking to, you know, non-Christian religious people, uh, non-religious people, et cetera, but for now we're just going to focus on essentially Protestants, right, because we, maybe this is a good place to start off, we can say that Catholics and Orthodox are at least in theory agreed upon this uh, issue that contraception is not permissible right
1: father well uh the the teaching of the church on this regard you know let's kind of step back a little bit sure um and look at it you know up until let's go back to the lambeth council in 1930 i think this is kind of a good starting point to kind of kick off this conversation up until that period 1930 you know, the, the, dominantly the Christian church, which meant the Catholic and the Christian community as a whole, held in a unified manner that contraception was something immoral and that it was not something that, that was good for marriage, it was not good, you know, for couples uh, to practice, and it was something that was held pretty much across the board up until that period. And then all of a sudden what we've seen is the catholic church today being primarily the only you know uh, christian church catholic faith uh, that is holding this line that goes back to ancient times goes back you know to the very teaching of the church and our judaic root as well so we have maintained we have been faithful to that teaching and we have advanced that teaching still to this day because it was the truth yesterday it's the truth today and it will be the truth tomorrow and, and I think it's important, you know, that when people don't look at the history and they don't look back at, you know, at, at, at the origins of changes in position, that it gives the impression that, well, this is how it's always been. You know, uh, you know, it's only the Catholic Church that's holding on to ancient things, you know, but in reality, you know, if people really peeled back their own history and would realize within the Christian fold that the Christian church held this together. And so, and that's the problem uh, today, is that some have broken with that truth. They have now advanced something false, something that is completely opposed to what we held from our Judaic root, and uh, throughout this period of time, until 1930. And so, and the consequences of that act, you know, which really began, as we've seen, as we've had conversations before, Tad, where the... The, the the exception, you know, basically that's how it began, was in rare circumstances, in certain situations, but we, we know what happens there. The moment you open that door, the moment you give any rationale for any exception to the truth or to that rule, then it just opens the door to everything else.
0: Right, and we can mention, you mentioned the Limith Conference in 1930, that that would be the Anglican Church deciding right. that, as, as you said, it's the limited circumstances between, you know, and they said between married couples. And then, right. of course, in society, that becomes um, no limitations on the circumstance and then not even marriage. It's just whenever, right? right. Over the course of the decades. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we are now. Right. And um, so,
1: But I think as, as a Catholic, you know, uh, uh, teaching, it's a very rich teaching because it's rooted In the dignity of the human person which is that would be our kind of our our starting point but you know just to to look at how does the church look at the moral life how does the church uh, recognize what is the moral life And so and and why is she advancing the moral life? So let's kind of start there and then we kind of move our way through and and talk a little bit more about this, you know, so when we have an understanding of what the church means by moral life. So it means, you know, living in accord with the good and the in the well-being of the human person and the image of the human person that we are made in the likeness and image of God. So when we start with an understanding of where that moral life finds its root to advance a good to want the good of another human being, and ultimately to be in communion with the good and the ultimate good is to be in union with god and so the moral life is moving us in that direction, so I want the good for myself, I want the good for you, and then I want the good for others, and ultimately, I want to experience the supreme good, which is God, to be in union with god and and with that, you know we move then forward, and so for the Catholic faith you know we start with an understanding of that of the human person so this is when we understand the intrinsic and absolute value of the human person then we can move that conversation to explain why good actions why good habits build virtuous way of living and why that good becomes something that guides my my, my choices, guides how I uh, uh, deal with situations, particularly in marriage. So it's not something that just affects individuals or affects married people. It affects all of us. And so this absolute value, this intrinsic value... Of that of each one of us and it's not something bestowed upon us by anyone else it's not bestowed by government it's not based on race or you know religious practice it's based in the very simple fact that we are the only creature made in the image and likeness of god and and that's the starting point of that conversation and then the moral life flows from that understanding and of fact, all of catholic teaching really starts in the understanding of the human person because it is the it is that good that in uh, that absolute value of the human person that begins all of our conversation. As a matter of fact, when we talk about our, our whole social doctrine of the church, it's the first principle. It's human goodness. It's the, it's the goodness of the human person, and then everything moves from there. And so, whether I'm dealing with you know issues of health. Uh, Whether I'm dealing with issues of work, or whether I'm dealing with, you know, the whole option for the poor, you know, the whole gambit of social doctrine starts with that first and fundamental principle. And when we don't understand it, when we don't understand that first principle, then we can see how the falsification begins to happen. And we begin to falsify the goods. And so, which brings us to what we're talking about, because when we start with the human person and we understand the human person, and then we realize, you know, that the human person is not, uh, you know, a body and a soul in a sense of two separate, you know, entities. You know, it's very important, you know, in some of our uh, uh, teaching and writings, we talk about this that go back to Aristotle, you know, who understood, you know, that, uh, you know, substantially, you know, the human person is a body and a soul. It's essential, united. It's not too separate. It's not like I, I put on my body like I put on a coat, you know, because it's cold outside, you know. And, and why is that important? Because what we see in our current culture, you know, and again, this has plagued humanity, you know, from the time of Aristotle, because... Yeah, it
0: was Plato's idea that the right. soul and the body were distinct entities residing, right. the soul right. was within the body. Right, and so when you,
1: so when you, when you misunderstand it, then you can see what happens, how contraception becomes something accepted. Because it really is a, 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 it really is a violation. It violates the good of the person, it violates the good of, of a nature of the human person, it violates the good of marriage, and it distorts the conjugal act. You know, and so but again, we have to understand each of those points in order to really expose why it's something that the church still holds, that this is an intrinsic evil. It is uh, completely opposed to the good of the human person. It's opposed to the good of marriage, and it violates other goods. And that's part of the conversation. And so that's why language is important. So when we have conferences and we're meeting with people, both who are Catholic, non-Catholic, Christian, non-Christian, you know, it's really talking about terminology and, and really kind of breaking through what people think. And, you know, and, and really people think that the church is just antiquated. It's just it, it just wants to live in, you know, the old old times and just it's kind of a, a moral way of holding people, you know, to some kind of rigid rule. But when you really pierce through it and you break down what the church teaches, people really come to to appreciate and they come to uh, really acknowledge that there's something good here that the church is, is, is advancing. So it's not a question of no's. It's a question of good. Something beautiful, something really wonderful, being advanced. So uh, I think that's always a good starting point.
0: Okay, yeah, and definitely. So we can we don't have to go through citations or anything, but we can talk about how this. You know, the church fathers spoke on obviously the type of the reason why this is such a big issue now is because the really the technology of modern contraception didn't start until uh, about a hundred years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But contraception in various. Forms have been around for forever, and actually, it was interesting you, you mentioned our Judaic, uh, continuing our Judaic roots because actually, the sin of Onan Onanism is in the Bible. It's right. not really contraception, but it's the same mentality, mm-hmm. and God killed him on the spot for, for that sin. So it's it's clear, and even in mm-hmm. the Old Testament, that this is, um, you know, the principles at play are have been are perennial throughout the right. uh, history of salvation. Um, so, you know, we don't have to go through all those Church Father citations or anything, but maybe we can talk about how, um, I guess, the most recent expression of that same teaching was in uh, St. Paul VI's landmark document, Humanivite, right. um which just reaffirmed perennial teaching, actually was kind of, in, in that sense, not very significant. um as far as doctrine was concerned because mm-hmm. there was no development of doctrine or anything right. but um, just uh, describe that document and then describe the reaction the very unfortunate reaction from the world and from Catholics uh, to that
1: well kind of set in you know human vitae you know on human life you know and into the context of the times and you already gave a little bit of that tad and you know when you when you have a society that you know is one so let's kind of start with with a good you know we we we've talked about this before in our podcast and I've written about it many times is there are people within 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 scientific community within the healthcare community uh, there are obviously many majority of the time and I'm going to you know kind of give a broad approach is that it's a good that they're trying to, to to look at. In words, so when people do research, they're trying to serve a good, they're trying to have a dilemma and they're trying to find a way to resolve it. And what we see within this period of time is not that people were looking for a way to advance, you know, quote, you know, the contraceptive issue. They came across this, you know, in, in, in a whole, process of, uh, and, and and realize this particular medication, this particular drug, this particular, uh, had a, had this side effect to it, or had this... Uh, you're
0: talking about the contraceptive uh, the pill. pill.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So when you when you consider, you know, and then they realize, wow, well, maybe we can use it for this. So what happens is, is that when you start with, with looking for research, you're looking for a way to promote human health. And, you know, you come to a point where you realize, okay, we can do this. The, the question really has to become, should we do it now? You know, is this something that really is good? You know, is it something that will advance the good? And this is what was going on in this period, plus the whole consequence of a sexual revolution, you know, the rejection of authority. It occurring whole... about the same time. Exactly. And so you have all these, these things occurring, kind of coming to the, to the top of the cup. And, and, and then you had people, you know, wanting the church to, to change her teaching, you know, to reject, you know, what it understood about uh, this, this act. And so we've got to remember that we're talking about a particular act here. It's a conjugal act. It's an act between a husband and a wife and only an act that should be occurring between a husband and a wife. That's a, the first thing that we have to really focus on here. And when we realize that many uh, you know, that want to change that act, to to redefine it, to, to determine that it, it can be something other than what its nature is meant to be. And that is the good of the of husband and wife in the sense of this, this unity husband and wife the oneness of each other and always always this openness to human life the transmission of human life that this act is always to be open to the gift of life never to imp- uh, to impede it never to intend to impede it or to do anything to cause it not to occur and so this is something very important and so what happens is is that uh, what paul vi was dealing with is that there were people even within church commission that was uh, uh, created To look into this area to talk about it um really some of them were making recommendations that we would accept very much like the lambeth you know decision in 1930 we talked about earlier you know that it would be limited it would have an uh, exception well you know so but paul vi you know did something that was truly so important and he said it in humana vitae he did not have the authority to change the the teaching He didn't have the ability to to do anything other than to advance what the church has always taught. And, And that is to promote the good that is marriage, the nature of marriage, and the nature of the conjugal act and the beauty of human life the transmission of human life so he really did something that people were just not ready to to hear they they did not want to hear that
0: and i think in the history of that commission uh, there was the majority report and the minority report and the majority report was right. uh, in favor of these what you're talking about right. i believe this is the case i'm not sure of having some kind of uh restricted allowance for contraception right. he just said no i'm Right. We're sticking with what the right. magisterial teaching is. Well, and, and
1: with that, it's, it's you know, it, it, and we don't want to really downplay in a sense, and I know we're not, but in the sense of the, the the courageous decision that Paul did, but more than that, it's that he didn't have, he couldn't do. Right. And I think that's yeah. important to understand is that it's not something that the church can just randomly, arbitrarily right. yeah, decide. I, I
0: said sticking with, right. but it's, right. it's not that he was sticking right. with, like as a decision, it was that he was confirming. Right. That he is the magisterial decider; and right. it has to be the same.
1: And we would see in in, in Familiaris Consortio, John Paul himself, in, in an exhortation, would pick it up, you know, and really advance the teaching of Humanae Vitae. And you know, in our mission work at HLI, is one of our primary documents, Humanae Vitae. It's a small, beautiful magisterial document, uh, an encyclical that really, really summarizes, if you will, the heart of the Church's teaching on marriage and on the conjugal act and in the transmission of human life and what's so sad is in the mission field you know and like we see in our own country here Tad, and you know many people you know they might know the name of the document they may have heard it and they just completely just reject it but very few people have ever read it you know they they've heard commentaries they've heard people in articles but very few people i've you know who are really quote unquote against that document if you were to ask most have never opened the document at all they don't even know what it says and so when you say well tell me what what are you against in this tell me what it is that you're opposed to you know and so and ultimately it just comes down to the fact they just don't agree with the church's teaching on the issue of contraception but then when you you push the conversation and say well tell me why what is it about that teaching that quote is offensive that you find that it doesn't respect your dignity you know, and then that's where the conversation really begins to un- unpack itself because that is where the door opens to talk about the nature, you know, of the human person, you know, and to understand the dignity of the human person and why an act of contraception is a violation of that dignity. But until we are able to talk about those fundamentals, it really is hard people just take it as a no they just take it as something that's imposed upon couples and it causes a burden upon couples and and then you hear the whole the whole idea that you know that you know they can't afford to have more children and they think the church just teaches that you know that...
0: right right and this this idea of that it's it's a no is actually based on a kind of a sense of entitlement in the first place which correct developed pretty quickly given that for a long time contraception in the way that it is now was not available uh, so readily or even Correct. legally, right? Correct, So that's right, yeah.
1: exactly. And I think most of our audience would be surprised you know, that at one time, you know, in our own country, contraception was illegal in the in sense of, so when people think about how these mindsets have changed, you know, over time and what we accept, accept today as just normal, you know, in a sense of behavior or choices was not so the mindset just decades ago. And that there was this clear understanding, you know, uh, of the fact that you know, only married couples is where, uh, in our mindset, which still is a teaching of the church. Whereas the only place where a sexual act occurred is between a husband and a wife. But today that would be a foreign you know uh, understanding because because in, in our culture that is so ex- readily accepted promiscuity they've accepted cohabitation they've accepted you know sexual activity as something normative so what's important and i think what we're doing tad is we're, we're we're trying to peel back and trying to return you know to you know not something in a sense of uh, just because it's uh, uh, something of old teaching but to explain that teaching as it has been and is and will be, and it helps to promote that good. And, and that's, I think that's the real challenge today, is trying to get to the language. Because, you know, as we've done in other, other times when we talk about marriage, well, today marriage can be defined in many ways by different people. But when you and I speak about marriage, when the church speaks about marriage, we're talking about the union of one man and one woman in an exclusive, indissoluble, fruitful union. All right that's what we mean by marriage so but that's not the narrative in our culture and when we speak that the 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 sexual act you know that what we what we would call the conjugal act all right the the conjugal love between husband and wife what we're speaking about here is not just some biological activity all right but in a way that's in a way the world sees it very differently it sees it as something like you mentioned in entitlement but basically it's just what people do you know it's how people you know uh, respond to 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 gratifications and, and seek for happiness but ultimately what we're talking about is something much deeper than that and it's a true happiness it's a true respect for human persons and it's a it's a wanting the good of the other being and an understanding of what it means of giving of myself to another human being you know, in that exclusive relationship and how that particular act is also an act of generosity that is open always, you know, to life. Well, again, when we don't understand those com- those components, then what I'm talking about is, I mean, I'm be talking about something from Mars or from Jupiter, you know, some, uh, and, and, but I'm not, I'm actually speaking of something that is, was understood for centuries You know and maybe not as eloquently you know as we see in the catechism written but people had an understanding that you know that this this you married because you wanted to to spend your life with this person you married because you wanted to have children and you wanted to be a family and you wanted to uh, to to enjoy one day your children's children i mean and 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 just the, the beauty of that family life and today we see a mockery of family on TV. We see a mockery of marriage. We see, you know, uh, the the sadness of the consequences of, of legalized divorce. We see a culture here, in, especially in the West, where, you know, cohabitation is just accepted today. And and again, we see basically an understanding of sexual uh, acts as something just normative between people whether they be of same sex or opposite sex and
0: and and even the idea of the sexual act we have a very particular uh, only the natural intercourse between a man and a woman that is capable of generating life correct counts under that heading whereas Sexual activity is all kinds of things uh, to, to uh, modern years. And
1: let's be honest, I mean the whole pornography industry has mm-hmm. also changed how people approach the subject as well. Absolutely. So but these are these are all the things that we we, we we need to be addressing as we talk about this particular subject of which humanavite, as you know began to talk about. And that was it, it rejected what the secular culture wanted. It denied what some, with even within the church, were trying to advance. And what Paul VI did was repeat and reaffirm. I think that's a, a good language. He reaffirmed what the church has consistently taught and will continue to consistently teach. And as I mentioned, this is what John Paul picked up in Familiaris Consortio and many other documents since. Evangelium Vitae you know, picked up and just keeps advancing and moves forward. And so, which the Catechism of the Catholic Church eloquently speaks about, and 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 we're going to see that long after you and myself are passed from this world, that teaching will continue to move forward because it is the truth, and and truth is truth. It doesn't just become arbitrarily uh, a change because someone wants it to change or or tries to redefine it and uh, and 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 give it a new name.
0: Yeah, it's interesting in that sense that there was even a commission at all, but maybe to. Have the right way to elucidate the doctrine was was right perhaps the and sometimes
1: these 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 committees or councils are i mean are you know kind of uh, are formed what you just said for example, today, if we were having a conversation on embryonic stem cell research or you know we would want to be able to try to understand all of the the complexity of that before we put something in writing you know Mm -hmm. is how do we address it what is it and you know so that's and the church has always been very good at that you know knowing what she speaks about knowing what it is that she's addressing and then what's the what's the moral response what's the ethical response to that so Mm -hmm. it's something that you know was happening then under with paul the sixth and it's still something happening today
0: yeah yeah and it's it's it it you know it makes one proud to be uh it, or it kind of is in in the context that we're talking about I want to shift into sure. the you know questions of uh, addressing this with other Christians and Protestants um, but it may it makes one proud to be part of of yeah. of the Church the Catholic Church that still maintains this teaching uh, Christian teaching at in such a coherent and strong way. Um, Being fair, then, to the churches that have maintained the position, there are a few Protestant churches and, and like Mm -hmm. we said, the Orthodox uh, churches um, have maintained this, I mean, apostolic teaching. Uh, Many Protestant denominations have not. And so I wanted to first talk about... um, why perhaps they've gone the way of the world, and then now how big that rift is before we start to talk about how we can, you know, work on evangelization. Sure,
1: I mean, my experience, at least what I've experienced in the mission field, and also have been a priest now in you know, almost 30 years, you know, it's, uh, so talking with people who are not of Catholic faith, so let's make sure we kind of distinguish the group right now, because we have problems, obviously, within the Catholic faith, yeah. where many of our, sadly, many of our Catholic people are not practicing you know, the church's teaching right, in this and that's, regard.
0: And that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> very
1: different issue. But there are similarities in the mm-hmm. sense both time, both occasions, as I brought up earlier, it's really a misunderstanding. They, there's not a clear understanding of the essential good that is being promoted and being advanced. And, and so because the church looks at, you know, the, in very different ways, it looks at this beautiful life that we call marriage and and looks at the ends of marriage in a very unique way in the sense of what we talk about in the unitive and procreative ends. And so the church has a way of addressing and talking about this that is not in normal conversation. And in parlance, if you will, of people just every day sitting around a table having a conversation about marriage. That's not where they really are talking about though they mention aspects of it, they talk about unity they talk about you know being one. they'll talk about you know that you know being exclusive you know I'm, I've been married 65 years you know I've been married 50 years or 40 years and and so people are talking about those ends in, in, a, in a way and in really promoting it and, and today again because sadly because of divorce and we see an, an, an a misunderstanding of, of of marriage and fidelity and and you know and an exclusivity we see where there is a wound and so many of our, pe- our listeners for example could be coming from wounded families broken families so it's become so much common Thing today that you know that to, when you hear someone that's been married forty years, man, what, how, did, how did you make that happen? But people are talking about it, and that's where we get where we can come into the conversation is to to kind of do what our Lord Jesus talks about. Let's return to the way it was in the beginning. So again, he's not looking at something at a historical for the sake of a, a historical fact. He's just saying this is not what God created. This is not how God created man and woman. This is not why God made them complementary, why he made them for each other. And and what does that relationship really reflect? Who does it reflect? And what is the purpose of marriage? What are the ends of marriage? And so people, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, till death do us part. Okay, that's that's a good way to talk a little bit about it, but... Let's talk about what's in between those parts. So what happens from the moment that you you make this commitment to each other and you promise to be with each other until death do you part, until that moment comes when you pass from this world? And so what is all this in-between about, you know? And how does it reflect what you said on the day that you were married, you know, in your vows and your commitment to each other? And what does this end about? And I think what people kind of—because life happens— and that's where we we see the, the the difficulties because they're now they're faced with decision making. They're facing you know how do we raise a family? How many children do we want to be open to? So they kind of start thinking from a very secular point. And then when you have a secular narrative pushing down, especially today, and let's go let's be honest, all the way back to Paul the Sixth, you had a. Uh, this whole idea of overpopulation—you had the issue about what can we feed everybody? You know, how can we sustain?
0: Well, even before that, Margaret Sanger started right, in what, right. when the thirties, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so this this has been around a while. So today, you would still hear it. I mean, if you uh, if a married couple went into the grocery store today, and I know this for a fact because I hear people with larger families they go into the grocery store, and sometimes you hear people make fun of them. You know, there's so there's a this is what's so all this is affecting how people approach this so for us and what i've done is just listen to what people think just talk about it so tell me what do you think marriage is what is the purpose of marriage why did god create this wonderful sacred institution because it's a god-given institution it's very biblical you know it's that's what a starting point god created it he made man for woman and woman for man and this exclusive indissoluble fruitful union god created it so with that that's a starting point and for people who share our christian root that is a good starting point because that's where it should start it should start what this what this scripture teaches about this sacred institution and i mean very purposeful in saying sacred because it is it's a sacred institution and as we also know from the catechism of the catholic church you know we know that that family life you know is built on the foundation of marriage so if marriage is, f- f- is as it is intended to be then our families are grow from that reality. And that's where society is shared. That's why John Paul says society passes through the family. So uh, that's why this is an important conversation, because if we're going to heal the wounds of our culture, then we need to get to the fundamental cell that helps bring about that, 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 that healing. So that's where I usually like to try to start. And, and oftentimes what I find is what happens, there comes a moment when there is a decision to be made. And that is, we probably, in almost every time I've had this level of of conversation.
0: And you're talking specifically with non-Catholics. Non-Catholics. Non-Catholic
1: Christians. They actually agree. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I haven't talked about contraception yet. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the good of marriage, the biblical understanding of marriage. You know, what does God intend for marriage based on sacred scripture, based on Christian teaching that has gone through the centuries. You know, our Judeo-Christian understanding of marriage. Most of the time, there's, not, there's no disagreement until we come to the part now. Let's talk about, you know, the beauty of the conjugal act. And what's happened is this is where we've seen the narrative of the secular world and also personal narratives begin to take over. And all of a sudden, the purpose of marriage, the beauty that marriage is, this lifetime relationship and, and this complementary journey with each other to our heavenly glory, all right, gets somehow gets caught up in the in, in the in the day to day, and that's where the the ch- conversation changes because now all of a sudden we want to treat the conjugal act as something different than what it is, and what its nature is, and what its purpose is, and how it is to be lived and expressed and celebrated, and so we want to kind of we want to dissect it from the nature of the human person and the very fact that when we introduce contraception into this conjugal moment we've now changed the act we've made it that which it is not and that's a radical change and and that's the that's the real challenge to try to get someone to see that you've taken this act between a husband and wife a most intimate act an act that is supposed to express a unitive dimension so giving of myself if i were married my spouse giving herself to me and together just being open to the 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 expression of that unitive act which is the possibility of a child to be to be conceived to be welcomed as a fruit of that unitive act and so all of a sudden when you introduce a contraceptive mentality don't want to be pregnant, all right? don't want to have a child, and then I employ a method, whatever that method may be, that into, into that act, I've now changed that act. I've radically altered it. I've made it something that it is not. And, and that's where the real crux of the conversation begins. And, and, and that's a challenge a lot of times, not just with our, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, with our own Catholic fold. and 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 so what's happened is we have to really stop there that's what has to really begin the conversation is now what does that mean and that's what they'll ask i don't understand that because i mean i i I still love my wife i still love my husband i said i didn't question the, the issue of your emotion and your feeling but the idea is that you know that the sincerity that you may have you know that's that's a good but now you've introduced something that is opposed to that good.
0: Yeah, I think Saint John Paul II called it a lie. Is right. a falsification of right. the act. It doesn't matter what you think. Exactly. It's you know. I mean, we can talk about various kinds of examples, but just what your intention is right. is what matters. Uh, in addition to the nature right. of the like the matter and form right. of and the his, choice that you've made. Is,
1: so yeah. it's the object you've chosen, mm-hmm. obviously we have intent, and the fact of, of carrying it out. And so I think that, you know, it's that's what I mean by when we're talking about no matter how we try to redefine it, you know, to, to give it a new definition, you know, it doesn't change it. It doesn't change its nature. And contraception is a very particular act. You know, it's contra. I'm against conception. So the whole understanding is, I'm against, see, it's interesting, the church is far, all right, and those who are far contraception are actually against something. So they accuse us of being against something, we're not, we're actually far. We're far the very good that marriage is, and we're very much far the good of what the conjugal love and fruit of that love is.
0: That's right, yeah. Fulton Sheen once said, uh, he was giving a a talk on this subject and he said, you know, the term birth control is what many people use, but he said, we're never going to use that term because its promoters are not interested in either birth or control, (laughs) meaning self-control. Right. 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 So, so. Uh
1: And that's a good way to add to segue into that because when you look at one of the prophecies of, of Paul VI, which, again, is very important. So Paul VI talked about that if this mindset allows to become, begins to take root and is allowed to, to advance itself, we will see the objectification of women. So we, we already see this very clearly. Check. Right? Done. We see this in our culture today where not just women obviously we can look at how the objectification of men so we can see both sides being objectified you know looking at a basically as an object to be used for Mm -hmm. gratification and then the second thing obviously is it's going to lead you know to the breakdown of marriage it's going to cause and 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 when you look at the very reasons why we see marriage faltering today is because again we falsified marriage we've made it into something that it is not and so the idea of like uh, bishop sheen the idea here when you when you have no way of discipline and basically the you can have this relationship anytime you want in the sense of uh
0: because uh, that's really what contraception provides of course and that's not the reason it's bad the reason right. is i wanted to get to this in a second because sure because most protestants the the it's like the threshold is well, well you're married so right. why is it a problem? Right. You know, right, right. Uh, but we can talk about that in a second. We're just going through the the prophecies of, right. of Paul the. And then one here. of the other things
1: he mentioned too was we would see how governments could use it, and you know, in in a sense of a population control mindset. Right. And so we, when you when you see these things actually alive today, all of them have happened. Very they all come <laughs> check, to bear. Check, check. Yeah. So the and what we see is where we again the consequence of these acts. So when we start with something that is in itself by its very nature wrong, contraception in itself is never a good. It's an intrinsic evil. That's why we call it intrinsically evil. That's right. And so by its very nature, it is intrinsically opposed to that good, no matter how I redefine it, no matter what I attempt to justify it, doesn't change it. And then when I, when I welcome it, when I accept it, then basically you know so i'm trying to make something so a couple might say well we don't want to have a child at this time well no matter how good and maybe your reasons might be, you know, but you've now introduced something completely that is not a choice, it's not an object you can choose, and you've introduced it into your into your into this moment. Now you've changed that that situation. And I think it's important for people to see that this is not a it's not a nuance, it's not, you know, a semantic game, it's not, you know, sometimes you know, people look well aren't the ends the same? You know, natural family planning, which is a different subject we can talk about. I don't like talking about natural family planning with contraception because they are two very different things. And But people try to combine them, and sadly, some people treat it the same way. But the church does not. church does not see it that way. And so it's important as we have this, this kind of conversation with people that we don't allow the, the narrative to get changed. That we and That's what I try to do in the mission field, is really to talk about it because in the mission field what's happened is because of poverty issues because of uh, economic issues this mentality creeps in very easily and we see governments pushing contraception we have large organizations and foundations pushing contraception and in the mission field people who are struggling because of corrupt governments and corrupt economic policies that have a difficulty raising their families so contraception seems to be the answer you know from either uh from some oral an oral contraceptive to an injectable or to some type of prophylactic or even sometimes sterilization or iud's and the consequences of this are deadly that's again something we can talk about a little later but that is a very real situation and what happens is people again think that's the answer but when you again peel things back and you you find out what's been the consequence of these acts what has it done to their marital life what has it done to their physical life so remember we're talking about the human person here body and a soul a, a, a human person right not two separate uh, entities and so when we look at this so that there is a spiritual ramification to choosing something that's contrary that's evil that's intrinsically wrong and also it has a physical consequence as well And people, you know, don't realize that, you know, from a physical point of view, just looking at it from a physical, the World Health Organization classifies oral contraception as a class one carcinogen, right? So people can go look that up and they'll tell you exactly what it is. And so it has a consequence physically as well and so there's so when we do something that is opposed to the very natural part of the of, especially of a woman's body she's the one that's ultimately you know taking the oral contraceptive or the injectables and so forth that this is not good for her it's not good for her spiritually and it's not good for her physically and and so the church is concerned about the total person the whole person and and, and her argument is involves both it always involves both and, and that's sometimes that little foot in the door, too, you know, when you start really looking at that with people. And, uh, and they realize that, you know, spiritually, it's not grounded in Scripture. We talked about it in the very beginning. So if we are a Christian people and we say we're biblically uh, grounded, okay, well, here it is. Number two, if you say that, you know, that, you know, this is not good for me in, in a health, in my physical health, Well, i can show you where that is also present and then you start breaking that on i mean many people have done a great job over the years you know uh of of bringing all this to bear so that's where i try to enter the door with our with our non-catholic you know community to get them because sometimes you know all they want to talk about is you know science medicine you know that component and sometimes that's the way in that's 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 the first foot in the door the second foot in the door is for those that are really you know living their faith they they they're they, they're very grounded in in a biblical tradition, and to be able to talk about that on that level alone is also a foot in the door and i I've seen great success of people really coming to see that and realizing this is not good for me and I need to walk away from that and they change their 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 lifestyle and they change their approach to their marital love. And, uh, and, and it, it strengthens them and it, it bonds them and, and binds them in such a beautiful way. And they come back and they say, you know, thank you, you know, for talking about this. And, you know, uh, you know, we, you know we, it's made us stronger. It's made our marriage stronger. It's, it's taught us discipline. It's taught us, you know, to be responsible. Again, something Paul VI talked about with, uh, in responsible parenthood. And what does that mean? And so, so the truth really is liberating but it requires you know sacrifice it requires discipline it requires going back to Fulton Sheen it requires self control and you know and, and not to objectify another human being even one's spouse just because one's married does not give one a right to objectify their spouse so it really is something that if we can get into that conversation and we and we can and a person can be patient and we can be patient with them as they ask questions and they and they and they will and there will be disagreements and there will be you know confusion. But if we persevere and they're open, we remain open. We usually find a very good path, and I've I've seen good things happen as a result. Um, matter of fact, with all respect, sometimes it's been much easier with our non-Catholic brothers and sisters in our christian faith than it has been with those who are so-called raised in in the catholic church
0: unfortunately that makes a lot of sense (laughs) but uh anyway i think i think at that with that we can kind of close out here father but um i mean do you have any final comments maybe for any of our listeners probably mostly catholics but anyone else who's listening just about this issue well one thing
1: i would do is obviously is open up the catechism of the catholic church you know it it's 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 teaching in section on marriage on the sacrament of marriage and the the teaching of the church's understanding of marriage in the conjugal act are rich and they are worth reflecting and i would encourage that for married couples i would encourage it for couples who are preparing for marriage you know to understand what is it and that the church is so strongly defending and and you know we've been very calm in our conversation and we should but, you know the church is passionate about this this is something she defends very strongly and and and, and goes to the to the wall for i mean so there's why, why would she do that you know why would she just not give in you know to the secular mentality why would she be the only mostly mainly the only mainline christian community church that is standing there fighting against uh you know the the, the push of the secular uh, desire to redefine marriage and redefine, you know, the conjugal act and redefine what we mean by, you know, a fruitful union. There's something really, so there's something here. There's a value, okay? And, and as I said, we start with the value of the person made in the image and likeness of God, male and female, he made them, right? Genesis 2. And so when we think about this, all right, and we realize what, what the church is holds. You can understand why she fights you can understand why she is there and 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 when people say well you know in the church ought to get her nose out of our bedrooms no right why when you read the catechism you'll understand why because you know this is a god-given gift Right. And so it goes back, you know, to something that is a, that it's entrusted to us, it, not just to the to the individual. OK, a husband and wife is entrusted to the church, you know, to to safeguard and to and to guide us and to help us to appreciate this good and to stand against the, the, those who would, would go against this, even individuals. You know, so, you know, no, there is there's something for all of us, you know, and I would say the same thing to my brothers, uh, you know, who are in, in, in the clergy you know sometimes you know i encounter you know misunderstandings there as well and sometimes especially in very difficult situations where there's a a real compassion for people that are struggling within their marriage and and it could be because of of economic issues and so there could be this tendency you know to to give way and to kind of give the impression that you know well maybe you shouldn't have any more children well, well what does that mean you know and, and what should they be employing quote unquote To be able to to be responsible in that situation sometimes there can be some very false guidance and so the church stands faithful paul the six was not the first one to stand and he won't be the last one to stand and and so today we continue the second thing I would encourage is, you know, HLI is put together and I know others have and I'm going to take advantage of the moment to talk about our, our education series. You know, we have it's online. You can come to HLI's you website. Can, you can
0: have these and I'll mm-hmm. just put them up and you can talk about them, Father.
1: And this is just a few in the series. and But they're online as well on HLI, uh, HLI.org. You can come and look them up. And these just give a really breakdown, a simple breakdown of what the church teaches. And so we need to, to educate ourselves. And so that we can be able to articulate, you know, what the church is teaching. And, but not only for, for others, but, you know, we could have married couples that maybe are hearing this for the first time. I've encountered that many times over. They've never heard it before. They, they've been never introduced to what the church teaches, even in their marital preparation courses. No one ever talked about it, you know. And so it could be an opportunity to, to really to grow. And, and you know, into into mature. And the last one I would do is I would encourage people to go read and, and pray with uh, John Paul II. Uh, well, two of them. Let's go back to Humanae Vitae. If you've never read it, read it. Right. And and then second one is Familiaris Consortio. You know, you know the family in the modern world is an exhortation, exhortation, apostolic exhortation by John Paul uh, now Pope St. John Paul II. It is worth the time. And uh, and its beauty of teaching on marriage, on family life, uh, and and how this wonderful, beautiful gift of these two institutions of marriage and family really are what really changes our culture, and, and it's it's worth the time. So those would be where I would start, and then after that we can talk about some more.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's this is this is HLI's. Founding subject, our father, uh, founding, uh, our founder, Father Paul Marx, uh, made his bones on this itch- issue right. uh, in particular, um, and he said it was the root of all the evils right. of, uh, you know, abortion, anything else. If you want to be pro-life. You really have to be against contraception right. and which is as we said for the good of natural right. the exactly. natural ends of marriage
1: it'll be good for us to pick up some of father marx's uh comments and teaching as we had talked more about the subject because uh as you said he uh, he really is the the one that uh that stood to the ground mm-hmm. and brought that message to, to around the world
0: right absolutely so um with that uh, this is not by any means, the last word we have to say on that subject, but that's all the time we have for today, so thank you, Father, again, um, for starting something a little different here with this episode, and uh, thank you all for watching. Um, Be sure to, like we said, uh, find those resources online, I'll hold them up again, it's The Dignity of the Human Person and the Moral Life and the Introduction to Church Teaching on Contraception, those are two of HLI's pamphlets. On this subject, we also have a lot of other stuff on our website uh, and um, our YouTube channel, etc. So please be sure to subscribe to that YouTube channel, like this video if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify, please uh, subscribe and continue to watch and listen. Um, Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Keep on living the culture of life. God bless.